0: Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today.
1: And so whatever dream has died, now, it may look differently than you thought it would. It usually Mm -hmm. does. But God has that dream there for a reason. And something's going to happen. And you can be anticipating in hope when it will happen. But just be willing to wait, because sometimes, as I say, God's timing is not our timing.
2: But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout-out to our Christina Prayer ministry sponsors, who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout-out to go For ministries who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services, who does all of our financial accounting Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained, and Life-Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at org. Do you have a loved one special occasion coming up? and don't know what to get them, well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to christinaperreira.org slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me today. She is a popular speaker and an author of four books, including the new book, Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. I have with me here today Lori Polich Short. Lori, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Christina. It's great to be here. Oh,
2: Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm excited to talk about your new book. I I've, am too. I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Is there something you can share with us, uh, maybe something personal just to help to get to know you?
1: Absolutely. I reside out here in California. I am married and got married late in life, which I presume we're going to talk about later, but I married two men, a man with his son. He was six when we married and he's now 20. And the big news in our household is he's going into the Marine Corps in a month. So we are about to become empty nesters and we're really proud of him. And it's been a great journey. So that's really what's going on here with me other than this new book coming out and the excitement of helping people see God when they don't know what he's doing. So that's been a passion currently as well.
2: Mm, I love that so much. You know, I think we're in a season right now and I think the ability to be able to see what God is doing both in front of us and behind the scenes is a great gift.
1: Yes. Yeah. And especially when we feel discouraged or Like we've been waiting a long time for a prayer we've had and seasons like that when it's hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's really what this book is for, is to just help people keep going and know that God is at work, even when we don't see what he's doing.
2: Mm -hmm. I love that so much. You know, we all need that encouragement because we're all believing God for big, big things. Uh, Since it's revealing Jesus, I have to ask you how you met our beautiful Savior, Jesus.
1: Well, I would say my story is in two parts. I was baptized as an infant in the Serbian Orthodox Church because my grandparents were Serbian 100% and came over and started several churches, and my father is 100%. So we grew up in the Serbian culture and in that church. So from day one, I believe that the Lord had his hand on me in terms of an awakening of him. But my senior year in high school, I was dating a guy for a very meaningful relationship of about three weeks, but it was really super important at the time. And he was going to be going to this camp, a young life camp. And so I went with him having no idea what I was going to hear that weekend, which what I heard from the speaker is that I could have this personal relationship with the Lord that I always believed in. And so that weekend really was the beginning of the journey that changed my life in terms of walking with Jesus for many, many years through so many different seasons and some transitions in my faith. This book comes out of just the time that I think all of us come to when God isn't doing exactly what we want Him to do. And we have to choose whether we're going to follow Him or abandon Him. And Mm. that's when we go to a deeper place, I think, in our faith. And it has been an exciting, incredible journey. And now that I'm a little bit older, it's fun for me to encourage people about all the things that God is doing that they may not be able to see right now.
2: Mm. I love that so much. You know, I often find that the Lord puts the authors through the very things that they are putting through their books.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think that is so true. I mean, I believe that we write out of the things that we're passionate about and the things that we're walking through. And that's what makes, at least for me as an author, the books fill with you know, my heart, but not just my heart and my knowledge and my wisdom, but God's Word. I feel Mm -hmm. like that is the only thing that's going to last. You know, books are going to come and go through the cultures, even the greatest ones, but God's Word continues through the generations. And so I'm excited to have a book filled with God's Word that I feel like is eternal forever.
2: I love that so much. I often think about the Apostle Paul and him writing the letters to the churches in prison, and yes. I, I often ponder and wonder: Did he know, you know, that that was what God was going to use to form the foundations of what we now know as the New Covenant? Well, it's it's the the so, New Testament. It,
1: yes, it's so interesting that you would share that right at the get go because that is one of my insights in the book: is that Paul was in prison when he wrote most of those letters and. What he says in Philippians 1 is that, you know, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel. But then he goes on to say, because I'm in prison, other people are speaking on my behalf about the Lord. So that's what Paul saw. And I believe what Paul couldn't have seen is how prophetic those words were. And this is maybe, again, another insight, is that he was in a place that probably he didn't want to be. He would have rather been out visiting the churches, but he was in prison. So he thought, what can I do while I'm here? And he wrote letters. That was the only thing he could do. And he had no idea how God was going to use those letters. And to me, that's such a powerful testimony of what God is doing when we're where we don't want to be or where we didn't think we'd be to just look at what's in front of you and be obedient and do the thing that God has for you right now. And you have no idea how God is going to use that.
2: Mm, I love that so much. It's just the absolute nature of God to take our small things and do the impossible with them. I remember in some of those letters, the Apostle Paul said, whether it's me who's preaching or someone else, even if it's being preached with selfish ambition, Christ is still being preached.
1: Yeah, yep, yes. And
2: I just find that so comforting that even in our dark places, even in our dungeons where we're sitting Mm -hmm. in, we're writing with God and, you know, he can take those moments and one day they will become the seeds that will feed many.
1: You know, that's so true, Christina. And you mentioned the, small things that we think we're doing that God does great things with, the Paul being an example. And I think of Ruth is another example. You know, she was in grief, losing her husband, her sister-in-law losing her husband, her mother-in-law losing her husband, all three women now widows. And she makes a choice to care for her mother-in-law and follow her, even though everyone said, You're never going to find anyone to marry. And she just makes this choice because it was something about Naomi and her faith that she felt compelled to do this thing without worrying about what the next step was going to be. And she follows her and then, of course, meets Boaz and ends up one of five women in the genealogy. And that's just an example Mm -hmm. of when we're doing this small thing, we just have no idea that this might be the door that God is leading to the big thing that we're supposed to do. And so our job is just to follow him in the season that we're in.
2: Mm, I love that so much. And I love that story of Ruth and Boaz. Yes. It's amazing. Well, that's so good. That brings me to my next question. How can we have hope in circumstances that previously felt hopeless, just like Ruth and Boaz?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's the knowledge And I'm a big perspective person when it comes to faith that I think we get lost in the tragedy of or the disappointment of what's happening instead of feeling your feelings. Because certainly I've had times in my life where I've just felt devastated feeling those feelings, but then recognizing that you're in the middle of the story. And there's something about that perspective I feel like Job gives us that, you know, and that's how I open my book is the story of Job because he suffered not because of anything he did, but because he was good. You know, we know that as readers from the first chapter, that this is a whole dialogue that's happening between God and Satan and Job is being paraded as the best. And yet all these things happen to him and he spends the entire book screaming and crying to the sky and his friends try to tell him it's something that he must have done but he knew in his heart it wasn't. And he's free to express his emotions if you read those books of, I mean, those chapters in Job. But he gets to the end. And what's so interesting is that God never tells him the reason that he suffered, but he takes him on a world tour of creation and shows him how big he is. And when Job sees all that's happening around him at any given moment and all that has come to be because of God, he ends up repenting because he realizes that he has no idea how God is going to use his story, that he is such a small part. It's kind of that feeling you get when you stand under a sky filled with stars and you realize how small you are, that you're such a small part of such a much bigger story. And I think that perspective helps us so much in leaning in and living the seasons that we're in and then having hope that this isn't where the story ends. If you got up this morning and you're still breathing, God is still at work in your story. And I have seen that again and again. And then, of course, you look back with that perspective and recognize and realize all that God did in you and through you because of what you went through. So I think that's where the hope is when we're going through tough times.
2: Mm, I love so much of what you said. One, that we have permission to feel our feelings. Nowhere in the yeah. Bible does it say that we cannot feel our feelings.
1: No. And that They're all <laughs>
2: demonized. They are not.
1: That's right. Not all fact, of them. <laughs> my goodness. Look at David and writing the Psalms. He's just filled with feelings. You know, I'm a yeah. four on the Enneagram and I think David was too. I mean, it's just you see him go up and down and up yeah. and down and yet God calls him a man after his own heart so absolutely yeah. true and you know it's so
2: amazing when we bring those feelings to the feet of Jesus we then open the door for him to speak into those places in our lives and yes. give us hope right in the moment yeah but if we don't acknowledge it if we don't bring it to Jesus's feet it makes our lives a lot harder
1: would you agree I, yes i do think so and it's really interesting at the end of the book because God tells Job to pray for his friends. You know, his friends have some good theology. They say some good things, but it just wasn't accurate in Job's situation. And I think that it's so interesting that God says, Job, now I want you to pray for your friends. So obviously, the way Job, you know, expressed his emotions was okay with God. And I think we see other evidence of that in Scripture as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. So, how can we be more comfortable and even lean into the unknown? You know, I think about all of our faith heroes who've taken journeys with the Lord and the way that the Lord leads us, we don't always have the, you know, the next big blueprint of where it is that we're going. But how can we be more comfortable in that process?
1: Well, I don't know if I have, because I was thinking about that, Christina. You know, I don't know if it's ever totally comfortable, but I will tell you that the more experience you have of knowing how faithful God is, and also knowing that one story you thought was one way ends up being another way altogether. And you look back on your life and you see all the ways that God has worked. But the other thing that I think is really important to remember is that. If you're waiting, for instance, I think about Abraham. The story that I document in the book is when Abraham got to the end of his faith. It's Genesis 17. You know, he's always known as the father of faith. He always believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he had so much faith. But as he gets older, you can see his faith that he's going to have a son has been beaten down, like it does Mm -hmm. for many of us. And so, And Sarah tried to do it their way through Hagar. And so now Abraham goes before God. It's in Genesis 17. And God, you know, he begs that Ishmael, this other son, could be the one because he cannot possibly imagine that God is still going to do it. And God says, no, Abraham, I'm still going to do this. And what I love is that Abraham falls down on the ground laughing. That is actually what's in scripture. He falls face down laughing and says, will a man that's 100 years old have a baby? Will a woman that's 90 years old have a baby? And God doesn't condemn him for laughing. He joins him in his laughter and, in fact, says, why don't you name your child laughter? Because this is going to be so incredible. And that's what Isaac means, is Mm -hmm. laughter. And I just think about what it was like for that dear couple at 190 to have a baby (laughs) You know, to be in Depends and diapers at the same time. I always like to joke. But I mean, that showed the miracle of God. And I will tell you, Christina, that my wedding was the same way because I got married so late in life. I think when we have that weird story that we don't know what God's doing and it's taking so long and we've maybe made it past our biological clock or what we thought was going to happen at a certain time. That's when you're primed for a God story, because when things happen, when, when they're supposed to happen, like weddings, you know, at a normal age and babies come the normal way, then we celebrate. But when things come when they're not supposed to happen, then we worship because we see God in those things, that God did this. And I believe that because my wedding was so late in life, it was a testimony to people of what God can still do even when we think it's too late.
2: I love that so much. And I love that Jesus declares in the scriptures, I am the resurrection. And I know so many times in my life, I've been to places where it looks like my dreams have died,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And it's in those moments where things look really, really dead that he loves to show up.
1: Oh my goodness. I mean, My books are filled with that because the butterfly made its way into my bouquet. I had a big green butterfly right in the center of my bouquet because that Uh is such a symbol of how God works. And we see it so clearly in Jesus because he died and resurrected. That theme of death and resurrection happens again and again in our lives to show that God is more powerful than even death. And so whatever dream has died. now. It may look differently than you thought it would. It usually Mm -hmm. does. But God has that dream there for a reason. And something's going to happen. And you can be anticipating in hope when it will happen. But just be willing to wait. Because sometimes, as I say, God's timing is not our timing. So that's where a lot of people, I think, give up. Because the wait is longer than they'd like.
0: Are you a new believer
2: in Jesus and don't know where to start? First, let me say welcome to the family of God.
0: It's so important to anchor yourself in the gospel and the finished work of Jesus. This powerful workbook includes foundational gospel truths to anchor your heart in
2: new covenant reality and interactive journaling prompts to begin your relationship with Jesus. This workbook includes teaching based on the word of God. It will help you understand precisely why you need a savior, what Jesus has done for you, your new creation life in him, and how to have a relationship with him.
0: Journal through the pages to dive deep into the heart of God for you as his child and increase your faith as you learn about our beautiful savior. Be sure to pick up a copy of New Believer Workbook, Foundational Gospel Truths to begin
2: your relationship with Christ Jesus today. Links in the show notes, or you can pick up a copy at Amazon or ChristinaPereira.org slash store. Isn't that the truth? His timing is not our timing. And just so you guys know out there, I think the promise that Abraham and Sarah would have a child, it took twenty
1: years for that promise to come to pass. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And they were already old when they got the promise. Right. Yeah. You know. And honestly, I lived a little bit of this story because I didn't even get engaged until I was 42. And of course, being so late in life already, there was all the celebrations, the two wedding showers. I bought my wedding dress because I'd become a professional bridesmaid at this point. And all these things had lined up. And then my fiance got deployed because he was a Marine Corps reservist and a lawyer. And in the nine months that he was gone, His ex-wife had second thoughts about their divorce, and so when he came back, we broke up and they remarried, which, Mm -hmm. of course, was such a God story for them, but I could not believe that God thought I was strong enough to play that part in that story so late in life already, and that Mm -hmm. was such a dark time for me because I thought for sure that was it. And I'd even had a prophecy on my life just before, like the Lord's going to bring you a husband. And then all this happened. And it was such a confusing, dark time. And I had to get to the place where I didn't know what God was going to do, but was I willing to follow him? And I was speaking. And so not just going to church, but speaking and encouraging others. And I made the choice to hold on to God. And lo and behold, at 49, and kind of relate to Ruth because I took a call at a church in Santa Barbara and came up here and everyone told me there's no single people in Santa Barbara. And I said, well, I'm called to go there. And I didn't know what God was going to do. And at 49, I got married. But, you know, that wasn't the dream for my life that I had. I never prayed, Lord, I hope someday that I can be a second wife and raise a child that came from somebody else. and We don't dream that way, but God called me into this family and to watch what God has done through my husband and I and in the life of the son that we raised in the church. And he got baptized at 17 and he is part of the worship band and working with the junior high kids and now going into the Marine Corps. And we see such a much bigger picture around our story. So I know that that was God's plan for me. And So often our plans, what God has in mind is so much bigger and involves so many more people that they don't always come to pass the way we want them to because our dreams are too small. Mm -hmm. God has bigger dreams and he wants to touch more people through our story. So if you can hold on in your story, even in the dark and confusing times, God does show up, but it's on his time and in his way.
2: Mm, I love that so much. And I read that story in your book and my heart just broke for you. I think you shared that you had to go to a speaking conference. Yes. Just devastated. Yes. And still encourage others. And even in the midst of that, you said something really powerful in your book and it stood out to me. You said, I think we wait too long to share our testimonies. Um, Yes. But in that moment, instead of hiding the pain that you were going through, you chose to share it
1: Yes. It touched people. You know, it's so interesting, Christina, but I think that my testimony was never more powerful than at that time before I got married and my story was wonderful because I think that's where people live, is in the middle of the story. And the fact that I could share that I was still holding on to God was the testimony. That's the testimony. I think people lean in when your story is dark and hard that's when people want to see if your faith is real because everybody can have faith when everything's going great right but when things are not going great and you're still holding on to God that is a testimony and so i've seen so many people walking through illness and even death so boldly and being such a testimony to others in that moment because people realize there's something different here this faith is real. So,
2: I love that so much. And I just want to add this if I can. It's not always going to be pretty. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had those seasons where I've walked through and it's a wrestle. Yes. It's not always pretty and that's okay. And that brings us back to our point that we made. It's okay to pour your heart out to a real God. He's the God of comfort. How can he comfort you if you're not real with him?
1: So true. I mean, I think of, Poor Hagar, you know, I referred to her earlier after she bears the child for Abraham and Sarah. And then, of course, Sarah gets jealous. And so then she runs away because she's mistreated and she's in the desert. And God finds her there, you know, and she names God the God who sees me. And God sees you no matter what you're going through. And you hold on to him, he will show up. But As I said, when he doesn't show up the way we want him to and in the timing we want him to, some people just figure there must not be a God because he's not answering the way I want. Mm -hmm. But we have to be willing to look and see the way he does show up and he always shows up.
2: Mm -hmm. And we have to be willing in those moments to not create a bunch of bad theology around our experience. Right. And not who we know God is and what the Bible says of who the character of God is. Those moments are our wrestle. And those moments we are marked with a limp and we are forever changed.
1: Yes. That's another of my favorite stories. That's in the book too. But you know, it's interesting with Jacob because just what you said, the chapter that he's in is forcing your way can complicate your life. Mm -hmm. And I first really came upon this insight with Isaiah 50, 10, because that was my theme verse between the time my engagement broke up and when I didn't understand what God was doing. And I was speaking and ministering all during that time. But Isaiah fifty ten says, let him or her who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on your God. But honestly, I had never read the next verse, which says, but woe to you who light your own flames and provide your own torches. This is what you will receive. You will lie down in torment. And I always like to say, that's not exactly the verse you post on social media, but (laughs) it gives you such insight, I think, into what the wait looks like, because I think what the next verse speaks to is that we can't wait any longer. We're tired of waiting for the light that God is going to provide. So we make our own torches and flames and we make our way out. It's like the butterfly to be who's still a caterpillar saying, I'm tired of being in this cocoon. I'm going to come out. But, you know, God has his timing for a reason. He's doing things in us. And I think what Jacob learned is the prophecy was given to him. He was going to rule and get the birthright. But the way it happened was a little more Jacob than God. And he is a manipulator throughout his whole Mm. life. That's what his name means. right? Grasp the hill deceiver is what Jacob means. And so when he finally gets to the place where, you know, I always say God brought his uncle Laban into his life for a reason, because sometimes we're confronted by things in our own life, in other people. And I think Laban was the bigger deceiver than Jacob. So he ends up with two wives and a lot more than he bargained for. But when he's finally leaving, his brother, who he stole the birthright from, is going to meet him and he's so terrified. And that's when he does that wrestling match with the angel. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And it's so interesting what the angel does. Two things he leaves him with a limp so he'll be more dependent, and he gives him a new name your name will be Israel. You're not going to be grasp the heel deceiver anymore. Your name is going to be Israel. Struggle with God and overcome. You've overcome your own self. And I feel like that process of, you know, and a lot of people will ask me, well, how do you know when you have a dream and you're supposed to be helping God by being present. For instance, when I was waiting for a guy and desiring marriage, I didn't just sit on the couch and wait for the rose. You know, you definitely participate in what God's doing. But you know in your heart when you've taken that step of, I want this to happen. If God doesn't have this for me, I'm going to make it happen. And I think we all know in our heart when we're making steps that will probably complicate our lives. It's not that God doesn't Stay with us, just like David when he completely blew it. God, you know, restores us for sure and uses that in our life. But we make our lives more complicated when we can't wait for what he's doing. And sometimes he's opening other doors, and sometimes he's doing the pain for a reason. And sometimes all these things are happening because he has this story that he's unfolding in your life. And so the ability to wait and Wait for a clear. For me, for instance, it was four months after my broken engagement that I got this random call from this friend of mine who had planted a church in Santa Barbara and said that they were praying about this new position. And my name came up and I had just mm-hmm. broken my engagement. I never would have been in position to take that or even look at it. And I wasn't even looking for a job, but I was looking for a life. And when that call came, I was open to going up and exploring it. And I think to myself now, what if I hadn't gone to Santa Barbara? None of what ended up happening to me ever would have happened. So it is paying attention to what God is opening and going through those doors. And that's how you participate. But it's not banging on the doors that are closing and saying, I don't care. I, I want, you to." Know, because we can force our way. God gives mm-hmm. us that will. So anyway. That was probably a longer answer than you were looking for. but
2: No, it's so good. You know, I trust Mm -hmm. the Lord to just lead the conversation. And I think there's so many lessons in all of that you just Mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. I've just found in my own personal experience that anytime you're forcing things, it's going to require far greater effort than if God was with you in the process. And I don't know about you, but I'm just too tired to do that anymore.
1: Oh, I I know. I wish I could say that I've completely learned the lesson. I definitely am better at it, but I am a little bit of a control person. So I like to know and, you know, help God do things. But I think I am now at the point where looking back, I see so many things that I'm definitely more willing to say, Oh gosh, I wonder what you're going to do with this when a door closes or when. I feel low or I'm disappointed by something, I have this little small sense of excitement that God is at work, even Mm. in that, and that he's closing this door or having me wait for a reason. And Mm -hmm. I trust that more, for sure.
2: Mm, So good. So good. Well, is there anything burning on your heart that you'd like to say directly to our listeners?
1: I guess, you know, what I have been saying is that I'm sure there are people listening that are going through seasons that they either wish they weren't in them or they're waiting for something that they've longed for for a long time. I certainly can identify with that. And I would say, try as best you can to live your life, the life that God has given you today. Because I look back on, I lived probably more than half of my life single because it was 49 years. Mm -hmm. And I never felt called to singleness. I always wanted to be married. All my friends were married. They all were having babies. It was a very trying time over and over again. And then to get engaged and have it break up, you know, a lot of disappointments. But I will tell you, Christina, that I look back on those days and years and i was able to experience so many things because i was following the lord and doing ministry and going through those doors and even in the times when i was in such a dark time i made a decision to volunteer in the inner city because i needed to be around people who were in more pain than me i had food on the table and i had so many things and so i needed perspective and that led to a story that is just unbelievable. That story is in the book as well. But just Mm -hmm. getting to know this inner city girl and what God did through that story and a baby that she had and changed his life. And we can be in God's stories all the time. It just takes getting up and getting involved in people's lives. And sometimes It's going to be during seasons that you wish other things were happening and you wish your life looked different. But God has God stories around you all the time. And it just takes you. I'm willing to go and be and do and get involved and get to know this person and go to this place and go through the doors that God is opening. And He has so many good gifts for you that might be different than the one gift that you're focused on. And when that happens, if it does, you will be so glad that you participated in these other things and you let God use you in other ways. So I guess that would be my biggest heartfelt piece of advice as an older person, maybe just to anyone who's listening to live the seasons well. And also maybe an added thing to that, I was thinking about the last chapter of my book in Hebrews 11, that. We are living an eternal story and this part of it is only part of the story. Mm
0: -hmm. So you
1: only have this life and this time and you didn't get to choose a lot of what you got, but you get to choose every day what you do with it and you are part of God's big story and one day you'll be with him forever and ever and all the things that aren't happening will be happening at that time. So I think that gives us courage to live the life that only we can live because we're the only person that can live our story. So maybe that's an encouragement as well.
2: Mm, I love that so much, Lori. That was so good. I love it. Will you pray for our listeners before we go today? Whatever the Lord puts on your heart.
1: Yes. So Lord, I pray for each person who listens to this, and they're probably listening at different times. But what I love about you is that you have a word for everyone who listens, even made the choice to listen to this podcast. And I'm excited about what you're going to say to each person. And I believe the way we see that is that something has the volume turned up, something we needed to hear. And I pray that each of the listeners would feel that in an individual way. I know As I'm praying, I'm praying for a group of people, but you see each story, you know where they live, you know what their struggle is, you know what they're going through, what their dream is. And God, I pray for each person that they would get what they need from you, from the words that Christina and I shared today. And I thank you that you are such a big God, so much greater than we can even think, or imagine. And I pray that we would know how big you are and how much you love us. And that knowledge would keep us holding on to you all the rest of our days until we meet you face to face. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you so much for that powerful prayer. I know that's going to impact so many. Thank you so much for being here with me today.
1: Well, it was great to be with you, Christina. Thank you for having me.
2: Of course, of course. Well, I hope and I pray that today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast and resources in the show notes on cpnshows.com under Revealing Jesus with Christina Prayer or wherever you get your podcast. There you'll find additional resources to connect with us and our special guest, Lori Polich Short. And don't forget to pick up a copy of her new book, faith, doubt and God's mysterious timing. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to one 815 7778 That's one 815 7778 7778. And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God
2: bless.